Okay, listeners, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your host, Robert, and we got a great show tonight. We have a special guest, which I love having special guests. And I think we got our uh, 8-track working, don't we, Lee? So uh, we're going to play some really groovy music. So uh, let's, uh, let's do some flat tracking tonight. Fire that baby up. Sound too much, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about this so that you understand what I'm talking about. Down there we have a plant that grows out in the woods and the fields. Looks something like a turn them green. Nearby called the poke salad. Poke salad. You snow a girl live down there and she'd go out in the evenings and pick her a mess of it. Head home and cook it for supper. Cause that's about all they had to eat. They did alright. I'm down in Louisiana where the alligators grow so mean. The little dog girl that I swear to the world made the alligators look tame. Poke salad in it. Everybody said it was a shame Cause her mama wasn't working on a chain gang A mean, vicious woman Every day for supper time She'd go down by the truck patch And pick her mess of poke salad Salad, ain't it? The gator's got your granny. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Everybody said it was a shame. Cause her mama was a wicked on changing. A wretched, spiteful, straight razor tote moment. <laughs> Lord, I wasn't taking a mess up. Okay, that was a good song. That's uh, Joe White, and that's Pokes. Tony Joe White. 
Tony Joe Wright. At, uh, yeah, and that's uh, Poke Solidani. Hey, I want to introduce my guest. My guest is a uh, longtime short track, circle track guy out of Tampa, well-known. And uh, as a matter of fact, we were just talking during the break. He actually, uh, you said you went to uh, this uh, concert one time. You saw Joey White, right? I saw Tony Joe White with Steppenwolf, uh, one of my first dates I had my ex-wife when I was a teenager at, uh, at the uh, Fort Homer Hesley Armory. I'll be darned. How about that? So that's a, that's a good song. Good choice for you, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, anyway, for, without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. His name is Randy Alvarez. Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me, Robert. I appreciate it. Okay. So anyway, go on. Let's say, uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Anything else you want to add to that, or you want to get right into business here? Well, I don't want to go about the ex-wife stuff. Like, oh. That wasn't very good. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, the music back then was great. You know, I used to uh, play a little bit and stuff until I really got full-time in racing. Uh-huh. Teddy, Teddy Kempkins and myself and all, we had little small bands and all. But once we got into full-size cars, I built my first, I started building my first race car when I was 13 years old. I took a 55 Chevy down to the bare frame in a little old garage. We didn't even have electricity and stuff. But by the time I was 15, a guy donated at the gas station, Bob Boyd, Boyd Snoke on Dale Mabry, uh, 49 Plymouth. And I was going to plant high school at the time, and the shop teacher didn't even know how to weld. So I taught myself how to weld and use all the metal equipment and stuff like that, and I built the roll cage and everything. At 15 years old, I was towing my first race car to the track. I wasn't allowed to race it. My parents wouldn't let me race because my old man, he was a uh, uh, race for years. In fact, he was sort of a legend in this area. But my mother says, I put up with him. I'm not putting up with you. And, <laughs> so in other uh, words, you couldn't race because they wouldn't allow you or the track wouldn't allow you? No. Well, at that time, they, they I had to park the car. I was allowed to drive in the pits because they knew who I was at mm-hmm. Golden Gate because my father at that time had quit racing and was the race director. Do you want to everybody, tell everybody who your father is? Poncho Alvarez. Poncho Alvarez. Joe okay. Poncho Alvarez. A lot of people have known him. He started racing in the late 40s. And, and I like to say, after he hung up his helmet, he was a race director at Golden Gate Speedway. And so everybody knew who I was. I, I would sell pictures, uh, in fact, uh, to my present boss when we were teenagers at the, in the uh, pit office there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sold pictures for Al Majors, who was a track for photographer but they let us take our car over there and unload it off the trailer but then we had to walk back out of the pit area mm-hmm. and because and then when the car ran we had to go to the grandstand side and watch it and whoever's driving the car says we'll talk to you about working on the car in between the races and if it's torn up too bad have them tow it outside the fence when we're working out here and between myself and jimmy fager and uh, my little, my brother's four years younger than me and stuff we look like a little rugrats we owned this race car, and it was racing figure eights. It was a 49 Plymouth. And like I say, I was 15 years old and with a restricted license. And Bob Boyd, I said, where are we going to the track? He said, there's my truck. There's my trailer towing the track, and we're going out, and I'm towing it to the track. I, all I had was a restricted license. And it, I turned 16 in October, and the following year in January, the only racing picture I really have on the wall of my house, I got everything else in uh, scrapbooks, is my 49 Plymouth going through the intersection at the 1970 figure eight uh, Winter Nationals, which at that time was the third bit biggest figure eight race in the country. Really? And behind them, side by side, was Dan Daughtry, Tom Brown coming around. There's Denny Myers, Richard Simmons out of New York, uh, Sonny Thompson out of Indiana, uh, Elmer Seifert, and all them coming around. And they all let my driver go through, Alan Redkey, because they knew he wouldn't lift. <laughs> they already, they've already been through that him, but but they couldn't believe it that our car qualified for the third biggest figure eight race in the whole because you had to qualify. They had so many cars down here, really, and we qualified for it. And what kind of engine did you run in that car? It right? came with a flathead six cylinder, but it was funny. Teddy Kempkins, who's a good friend of mine, I mentioned earlier, he said the first time he'd ever seen a purposely built racing seat was in that car because hmm. I I took 
you know, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money and stuff like that. My grandfather had a bunch of three-quarter-inch galvanized pipe behind his garage. So I took it to uh, uh, the shop at Plant High School, and I heated and I bent the framework, and I bent the, the sides like they are now where it wrapped around by your rib cage, fitted it all up, and they had galvanized sheet metal. I formed it all on the inside and spot welded in, cut the loops in the side, framed that all in where the seat belts could come through, and... Because everybody back then, they were using, like, milk truck seats or aircraft seats and stuff like that, or even taking the old 20-gallon uh, old barrels and cutting them out where he'd sit on down. And Teddy says, first time he'd ever seen a purposely built racing seat. And the only reason I did it, because we didn't have any money, but I had I had materials. Well, you were innovative at the time, so you're well, ahead of your time. Also, then. even the roll cage on the time, back then they had, like, a loop in the front, a loop in the back, and crossbars. Well, because of the amount of tubing, or well, tubing, it was pipe that we found, uh, and I'm not saying where we found it, but uh, um, <laughs> it's alongside of the road, You're the, junk, uh, man. Uh, the uh, roll bars on the front, they went, they had a loop in the back, but the front came forward and bent and followed the A pillar, like all race cars now, stock cars are now today. So that wasn't customary back. That then? wasn't customary back then. Oh no, kidding! In 15 years old, and we did it. <laughs> Interesting. Well, anyway, okay, so, um, but did, so you never actually did any figure eight race. You basically got I, One in a night I truck. got in a figure eight cart. Uh, a friend of mine had borrowed it, and I borrowed it from him, and um, uh, the throttle wouldn't open up all the way, and it had a piece of welding rod for a throttle cable, so I opened it where it opened up, but it wouldn't shut all the way, so I said, well, I'm going to drive it with a kill switch. And we <laughs> went on down there, and they took the green flag at Golden Gate Speedway, and Wayne Hammond, because the car was a sportsman, it wasn't actually a figure eight. Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, and Wayne Hammond ran his car. It was a sportsman. He, we were running the figure eight because figure eights actually paid better, and they paid more to start. Well, he ran. It rained. He went to the infield, knocked water over the track, and both of us went in the water and went square in the wall, and I think I totaled the guy's car out. And I don't even know to this day who owned it. Is this the same Wayne Hammond that advertises at the Ford, oh, yeah, yeah. At Bartow Ford or whatever? It's Brandon Ford Brandon right Ford. here. Wayne Hammond. You go <laughs> Billy Goats and mother-in-laws. We'll trade you in. That's Wayne Hammond. <laughs> okay, we got to take a break just for a second here. Um, I'd like to welcome a new sponsor to our show now. Hey, Lee, you know who this person is. Naughty Nancy. Oh, yeah. It's not a story about a bad girl. Not at all. No, this is about a great little dew drop in right here behind the studio in downtown Clearwater. Have you been over there yet, Lee? No? You going to join us? We're all going to go ahead over there after the show. Okay, she's expecting us, so I don't know what she's going to brew for us, okay? But anyway, so she's located over here uh, right off the trail, so she's got a great menu. Whether it's gourmet, whether it's short order, whether it's country, whether it's Cajun, whether it's New England, she's just a super cook and, and a great personality, a sweet lady over there. And uh, she's located right over there on uh, 700 Eldridge Street in downtown Clearwater, right behind the trail, or actually right on the trail. So whether you jog, whether you bike, whether you drive, whether you you know step off your hog, pull up there and go visit Naughty Nancy, Okay. And uh, her number is 727-446-3717. That's 446-3717. What do we got queued up, Lee? Is the A-Track still working? Yeah, I got uh, Fire on the Mountain by Marshall Tucker. Marshall Tucker. Okay, let's hear it. Started to roam 
six long months on a dust-covered trail. They say heaven's at the end, but so far it's been hell. And there's fire on the mountain, lightning in the air. Soul in them hills, and it's waiting for me there. We were digging and sifting from five to five. Selling everything we found just to stay alive. Gold flowed free like the whiskey in the bar. Sitting was the big thing, Lord, and Sid was a star. And there's fire on the mountain, lightning in the air. Gold in them hills, and it's waiting for me. Tuned in, you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I have a very special guest, a well-known, I guess, circle track driver, short track driver, right? Sprint car driver. Sprint car driver, I'm sorry. Uh, Randy Alvarez is with, with us. Now, for all you guys out there, most people that tune in on the show, you know I'm into muscle cars, you know I'm into road racing, vintage road racing, a little bit of drag racing and stuff like that. And I'll be honest with you, I really don't know much about circle track racing, short track racing, dirt track racing, NASCAR racing even. I'm not... I never really followed that. So from time to time, I really, truly enjoy having a guest like yourself that's experienced, that's been around, that can kind of enlighten me as well as all our listeners. So, Randy, tell us about uh, – after you got done with this, the uh, – earlier during, before the break there or before the last segment, you were telling us about your um, uh, your little escapade with your little uh, figure eight car. Mm-hmm. So after that, you evolved into what? Well, uh, I worked with um, uh, Jimmy Alvis. We built uh, – with VT Clark, built uh, – 
back then they call them early models and and, and worked with uh, Richard Pratt who had Pop Butler's old sprint car. But my main deal was sprint cars always. As a kid, I, I was raised around the old Florida State Fairgrounds, and those guys were my uh, Pete, the late Pete Foles, who was a three-time IMCA champion, was my idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was funny back when we were kids in the fifties. We'd go to the races at Phillips Field, which is across the street, a little small quarter mile track. And when Pete would run the circuit, he'd run there, and um, his son Rick Foles. Rick, Dick Hope's son, Richard Hope, and me being Poncho Alvarez's son, Randy Alvarez, we'd sit together with our mothers. Mm-hmm. We'd all be together. And they thought we, uh, us as kids were nuts because my hero was Pete Foles. Uh, Rick Hope's hero, uh, Richard Hope's hero was uh, Poncho Alvarez, and Rick Foles' hero was uh, Dick Hope. No kidding. And uh, <laughs> that's how, you know, but because of Pete, sprint cars were it to me. And even as a kid, racing bicycles, I said, one day, I said, we built a dirt bicycle track one time. And I said, I'm going to learn how to run dirt on bicycles. I'm going to learn sprint cars, and I'm going to make it to Andy. But if nothing else, I'm going to win on dirt. Mm-hmm. I'm going to win in a sprint car. Well, finally, my, one of my lifelong friends, Robert Smith, uh, talked me and come over there and built him a mini stock and got together and then built me one. And Ian Gibson, and if a car sat in front of a bar for more than two or three days, you know, we'd pick up the wrecker and we'd turn it into a build a roll cage for it. It was a foreign car because that's what mini stocks were back then were foreign cars. Were they we, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's before the Pinos and stuff like that and all. We had Fiats and Hillmans and stuff You're like kidding. that. No. Well, okay, anyway, so this uh, was like, like in the, or prior to the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, okay. And, well, and uh, right around there and stuff like that. And anyway, we had the two mini stocks and we sold them and bought Robert's first sprint car. And I wasn't allowed to race living at home, but I worked on his stuff. But finally, after I moved out, got married and stuff, and uh, one of the cars Robert had was laying out there in the swamp over at his dad, Willard Smith's old round daddies, who is my hero, you know. Mm-hmm. And Robert says, why don't you go put my old car together and, and you race it? Because his brother was racing over there, and he was racing. They had two sprint cars, so I drug it in, and Willard said, you're not going to drive that. Your daddy doesn't want you driving. I said, I don't live at home, Randy. <laughs> and finally, he said, okay, you can put that motor in over there. And it was a stroker at the time. We were limited at 315 cubic inches. He said, you are not going anywhere anyway. And we put, and that was my start. Okay. And uh, my ex-wife didn't like racing, didn't care for me racing, and I didn't have the money to do it. And I would pick up rides here and there and stuff or put something together, and I never really could get a chance to do it right. And finally... I would say uh, in 80, 82 was the first year I ever drove a full uh, a full season. Mm-hmm. And I had this car. And, in fact, it was one of the uh, Willard's cars. It was laying out there. And I threw my running gear and stuff. And George Rudolph went to help me on the car. And it was an old car. It was 25 years old at the time. In fact, that's what this picture is here. Mm-hmm. It was built in 57. And in 82, I won my first race with the car. And George taught me Willard taught me and them how to race George taught me how to win because about it was just preparation and you forget about a social life you stayed in the garage and you worked and worked and worked and from then on I started getting because back in the day they had car owners which they don't have now to a certain extent and you drove for guys there's guys that they they call them sportsmen Mm -hmm. because that's what they wanted to do and they would buy the cars they were usually successful businessmen and stuff and they couldn't drive themselves but they like to see their cars go out there and race and win. Plus, and, they're advertising billboards, yeah, too. It, but yeah, right. A lot of them, and, and they write them off, and, and the economy is good and all. And you raced, I raced for a percentage mm-hmm. of what we won. Now, was yeah. this on flat? Was this dirt or asphalt? Dirt and pavement. Oh, I've, won, I've won on dirt. I've so, won your, on, your first race, was that asphalt or dirt? First race was, I, I won, uh, first couple features I won was on pavement, then I won on dirt, and I preferred dirt. Huge but, difference in driving. But technique. I like, in, in the fact, but the thing is that on the pavement races was Sunshine Speedway, and I missed that track. 
Mm-hmm. And that track was was so the the shape of the track was so different. It, Robert Smith had called it the closest pavement track to a dirt track because none of the corners were the same, not straight areas were the same, or anything else. And that was like a challenge on running dirt hmm. because everything can be different. All of a sudden, you can be hooked up good on the very bottom groove of the track, or hooked up in the top, or in the middle, or you cross over grooves or whatever. And hmm. I've, like I say, I've won on dirt, I've won on pavement, I've won with wings and without wings, and now with the vintage stuff. Uh, even though it's exhibition racing, I've won without roll cages. Oh, no so, kidding. So, uh, you know, it's it's a lot. I just, I tried driving uh, late models a couple times. I've offered rides. In fact, one time I drove, it was my neighbor's car, and his driver didn't show up, and he asked me to, at Sunshine, get out there, and they had hot laps for the late models. I spun the car out twice. And I had, like, claustrophobia. I couldn't see to the right or anything else. And I pulled it in. I said, I'm going to tell you flat out, I can't drive this car. It's me. And, and the guy that normally drove the car, his dad was there. He said, I've never heard a race car driver admit that. I said, right. I'm telling you the truth. But then I went out and won the sprint car feature that night. Okay, for the purposes of uh, the viewer, uh, the listeners, uh, late model is an enclosed car, like a modified it, it, complete it, car. A, a late model is basically a full-body car, like right. you'll see on TV. Um, you'll see, like, the super late models on certain things on Speed Channel and stuff like that. But it's not that much different than a, it's an, a, a, an, cup, a NASCAR yeah, cup car. An affordable, it's an, got fenders. It's got doors. The driver sits to the left. He sits real low. And like I say... I'm used to sitting in the middle of the car, sitting straight up. The drive line runs between my legs. I don't have a bunch of body on either side of me. And it's open wheel. It's open wheel, open cockpit, uh, and that's that's what I like doing. That's what I enjoy doing. That's what I was good at. Okay, so now the sprint cars. Now, Outlaws is a form of sprint cars. Yeah, outlaws are sprint cars. Are sprint cars. Yes, I've raced with the World of Outlaws before. Okay, now what, what distinguishes that car from, let's say, like a regular sprint car? I mean, what makes Outlaws... Sanctioned body. Sanctioned body? That's all. Okay, so are they, like, when I see on TV right now, and so it's like a sprint car, but it's got the huge wings on the front and the back and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and you Same thing I race. Oh, okay. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a, it's a sprint car. It's a wing sprint car. Uh, traditionally, if you go back in the day, if it had a wing on it, it was called a super sprint. It wasn't even a sprint car. Traditional sprint cars didn't have wings. Now, one thing I've always wondered. But the World of Outlaws, with their sponsorship and with their names and the, and the money they became, became the premier sanctioning group. The World of Outlaws is a licensed sanctioning body. Okay. And that's why they call in everybody. In fact, when I was president of the TBRA, uh, uh, we had a um, an annual program that we put out once a year. When we had inserts, when we went to track, we sold it. And I said, you know, the TBRA has been called many flamboyant names like the the Thunder and Lightning Division, which was USAC, which was non-wing up in Indiana in the Midwest, or the the Florida Outlaws, wherever most of the sprint cars have taken on the outlaw persona mm-hmm. because of the World of Outlaws sanction and body. Okay, is TBRA Tampa Bay Racing Association? TBARA Tampa oh, yeah. Bay Area Racing Association. Okay, and is that strictly for like right you- now? That's strictly pavement with wings. Back in the day when I was president, and stuff. If you ran in the South, period, you ran TBRA. We had run. Dirt on one night, pavement on the other, dirt on the next, or, pay, or two and three times a week, three different states. Mm-hmm. If you ran the South, and that's why I think one of the things that's happened with sprint car racing has been split up too much, and it's diluted it. Oh, really? But right now, there's five or six different sanction bodies that, 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 or, or rule sets that are running in the state of Florida. Well, Back then, you ran sprint cars, you ran TBRA. Now, because there's so many different sanctioning bodies, is that kind of convolute, kind of confusing? Does it... Does it create a situation where some drivers can do certain things with their cars, or they have certain deals that they can't race at some tracks, and they're like, "You're not, you're not all united." In other words, is that type? Am I perceiving? Am well, I the pavement, the pavement cars have become so. Oh, how do you want to say this? 
they're so particular the way they're designed. They're just pavement cars only. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can put them on dirt. Okay. Where before okay. in the old days they were universal. I flip flopped around. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and then it was getting more and more in there, and that's one of the things that happened. It costs so much to run it, especially. Does it, does it have anything to do with safety by any chance? I mean, no, it has to go fast. I got you. It's got to go fast. Okay, yeah. and get it to the ground. And the dirt cars in, have gotten so much more where it's particular to dirt. Oh, okay. You don't see the uh, USCS several years ago that sanctioned throughout the South uh, was running the same type of cars on dirt and pavement. They were changing around. Mm-hmm. But even the pa- the guys that had the money for both would have a, spe- a specific pavement car built. Okay. And uh, there's a little special tricks here and stuff like that to make it. And sometimes, instead of trying to change your car over, you bring out your other car. Okay, it's so like NASCAR has a short track car, a long, exactly. dis- a long track uh, uh, car. Exactly, road course, everything else. Okay, you know? gotcha. It's all specialized. It's become very specialized. Okay. okay. And with, uh, like I say, with so many different sanctioned bodies now, it's split the pie up, in, so the slice is smaller. You okay. take a pie and cut it in half, you got 50% of each pie. So what happens then now, you have basically a smaller team, a smaller field of cars particip- participating exactly, in that. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And sprint car racing has gone from the 80s, in the early 90s and all, is basically, to me, is gone downhill. Oh, really? Car count, uh, in here again. Well, money, well, economy has a lot to do with it. Oh, yeah. And the people, and there are the people, the businessmen that were using it for write-offs and stuff like that, and it has, this reflects on the economy. There is no, very few car owners that hire drivers is like hired guns, mm-hmm. like it used to be. Okay. All right, got to take a break here for a second. Hey, I want to uh, mention uh, Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, located on Clearwater Beach. Hey, they have two stories of food, drink, and fun. They're open from breakfast, or actually open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, that's Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, and they're down there on Clearwater Beach. That's 727-210-0988. Uh, they have daily specials and uh, nightly entertainment. So visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, Polly, all the girls, and staff at Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-210-0988. And uh, I want to mention Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. They uh, provide uh, prompt, courteous towing to all their customers, long distance, short distance. Makes no difference. They got you covered. They also have a full-service repair shop and a body shop facility to take care of all your automotive needs. So that's Kotaka's Towing. They're in Clearwater. That's 727-447-1952, 727-447-1952. That's Kotaka's Towing. We got somebody on the line? Lee? Yeah, actually, uh, we've got uh, Dr. Dan and uh, Steve Zagonet. Dr. Dan and Steve Dackney. Okay, they got a quick question. Are they? Are they? But they're not sprint car guys. <laughs> no, we're not, guys. We're, no, we're not sprint car guys. We 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 want to uh, tell you that everybody over here at the Don Rico uh, uh, Studios is listening to you. Oh, okay. Well, hello everybody over at the Don Reese, uh Talent Studio, right? That's it. That's it. And how's we're, the? Yeah, we're all over here. We're, we're sitting over here laughing, but we like the sprint car story, though. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I can tell that guy who was talking about them sprint cars. Nobody knows what he's talking about. He knows a heck of a lot more than I do I, about I, them. I, I used to build sprint cars. You know that. You did. Yeah. We never got into that. We talked about the custom cars, the well, bat cycle. Yeah, well, we'll do that on the next show. We'll do that on the next show. Okay. Hey, <laughs> thanks for calling. Are you guys going right, to... We'll see you later. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're all going to uh, Naughty Nancy's after the show, right? Where are you going? We're all going to Naughty Nancy's oh, after the show. Heck yeah, we're going to Naughty Nancy's. Okay. Naughty Nancy's is a good place to all go. All right. Everybody listening, we, we're all piling in... Uh, in uh, and uh, somebody got a big truck out there. <laughs> we're going to pile in a big 4 we'll, by 4 yeah, We'll get drunk, Mike. That's it. We'll get Junk Mike's truck. We're all going to pile up. That's that. Naughty Nancy's, okay? That's 446-3717, all right? All right. Hey. I'll talk to you later. Okay, take care. Thanks for calling. Bye. Hey, Lee, what do we got queued up? Is that 8-track still working? 
Yeah, I had to kick it a few times, but it's a long-haired country boy by Charlie Daniels. All right. Yeah, we got a big uh, high five on that one. <laughs> People say I'm no good and crazy as a loon Cause I get stoned in the morning drunk in the afternoon Kind of like my old blue tip hound I like to lay around in the shade And I ain't got no money But I damn sure got it made Cause I ain't asking nobody for nothing If I can't get it on my own Don't like the way I'm living You just leave this long-haired country boy alone Preacher man talking on TV Putting down the rock and roll Wants me to send a donation Cause he's worried about my soul He said Jesus walked on the water And I know that it's true But sometimes I think that preacher man I'd like to do a little walking too But I ain't asking nobody for nothing If I can't get it on my own
All right, we're back. In case you just tuned in, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And we have a special guest with us, Randy Alvarez, Mr. Circle Track, late model. Well, no, Circle Track, Dirt Track. I mean, the, Mr. Racer, you're here. All right, so before... <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I don't know, whatever. You're in a, you're in a, you're in a cool car. I'm here car. having a good time. You're having a good time. That's the main thing. Okay. Hey, so tell us a little bit about... Uh, um, the classes now. You mentioned something during the break there that we got. Uh, there's vintage is a big thing now. Well, with, uh, I got vintage. into vintage. Um, they always call me the historian anyway because I, I, I believe in the history. You know, well, that's if good. It wasn't, if it wasn't good. for the past, it wouldn't be the present. And if it wasn't for the present, it ain't going to be the future. Okay. Well, you can and a little I met a guy that... by the name of John Lindsay, and I've had some uh, opportunities, but I was r- racing regular to get some of this, the older cars. I enjoyed seeing them with the restored cars and all. I never paid attention. The guy, he had a little small magazine deal. Uh, it was a um, almost like a classified deal called the Budget Racer mm-hmm. Magazine. And I met him when I had Rebel Auto Salvage. And I met him at the track, and we become good friends. He said, guess what? I got this car to restore, and it was Ronnie Smith's old sprint car. And I knew where the car was. And I'd never paid attention to it. I said, no, it's more famous than that. I said, that's Bill Ronyan's old car. That car has raced all over the United States. It's had... Beside Bill driving himself, had top drivers in and stuff like that. And we went over there and busted our, our kids. He had, in the meantime, he had a, a Jack Arnold who had won. He didn't win in this car. was uh, uh, the Florida State late model champion at one time. Won mm-hmm. races all over and stuff and all. But he had Jack's last late model, which was a steel body 68 Mustang. Oh, no kidding. And he got, uh, got this car. I said, we'll put this car together. And I, got, I ended up with a whole bunch of pictures, 35, 30 albums. Of mm-hmm. racing in the late fifties, sixties, and stuff, and had the pictures, and we restored this car, just like Bill Royan originally debuted at the old Fair, uh, Florida State Fairgrounds in '68. The car, it, he raced it most of the time with a bolt-on roll cage, and a lot of times with a wing. But when he went back then, when you ran sprint cars until 1970, you didn't have a roll cage; it was just a single roll bar, and that's how we did the car. You know, the, well, to this day, that boggles my mind. I mean, it's like um, we had this discussion once before with some of the other race car guys that had been on that. It took how long and how many incidents and how many fatalities before the the roll bar, the idea, the concept, the safety of a roll bar even was implemented in racing. In 66 alone, just in USAC, which is the the top sanctioned sprint car Mm -hmm. body in the country at that time, they killed five drivers. Tell us a story about your dad. Real quick, uh, you tell me the one and 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 how that and how the roll bar thing came. Okay, to- well, my father started racing in the late '40s. He he started motorcycles and got midgets and got what they call sprint cars now, the big cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't have any roll bars. But he was one of the original NASCAR drivers, original charter member of NASCAR in 1951. That NASCAR was running a race, and they called them strictly stocks back then at West Palm Beach Speedway. Mm-hmm. Now he would taken that car. In fact, I still that's I still sleep in that bed. He had uh, won a big. 200 or 100 miler at Speedway Park in Tampa with that car. It was a 50 Oldsmobile. Mm-hmm. And, they, and with that, he had just got married to my mother and they bought the bedroom furniture and I still got that. Well, there you go. You got an but, antique. Uh, well, anyway, Family he went down to West Palm and, and I broke a wheel or something like that and they did, and you couldn't do anything to the car safety-wise. You could take the fold-down passenger side part, the back of the seat off or the back seats and you either took the headlights off or you taped over them, had to keep all the glass and everything in a lap belt and that was it. That's well, all you had. He flipped down the front straightaway at West Palm, which was it was dirt at the time, but West Palm's always been a high-banked, fast racetrack. Mm-hmm. And barrel rolled down the flip, uh, front straightaway, and he was hanging out the side of the car because he, the belts loosened up when the regular stock seat co- uh, collapsed, uh-huh. the cushioning. Yeah. And so the belts weren't tight anymore, and he was hanging by almost his ankles, and his helmet flew off, and everybody thought it was his head and all. 
and the roof come almost all the way down. Well, after that, NASCAR mandated, and you can go to the book, The History of NASCAR, mm -hmm. and there's pictures of it right there showing it upside down and the roof's flat, mandated that they had to start running at least a single roll bar in the cars. So that was your basic loop? That was a basic loop. No kidding. Uh, Tim Flock one time showed up with a car at Daytona when they were running on the beach and they didn't have anything, and the carpenters were working on the wall and had them put a two-by-four roll bar in there. Tim Flock, the guy who used to race Mercury's and Forges? The guy that was NASCAR was, champion. Yeah, there's three brothers, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Bob Flock, Tim, uh, Fonny Flock, and Tim Flock. Okay, and Tim was the most successful out of the three, right? Actually, yeah, because he got in the, he got in the key cover ride and some he got in the better rides. The other guys stayed more with the modifieds. They were in the, uh, the convertibles and all. And NASCAR was, because modifieds was original NASCAR. Oh, was it really? Yes, and that's the thing that's uh, neat about the uh, vintage stuff they're running now with the modifieds. That's basically what NASCAR racing started out with. And then they started to come out, hey, th these brand-new cars, we call them strictly stocks because that's what the people buying off the showroom. Mm -hmm. And they were, I think most of the guys were driving from track to track. They'd take the uh, masking tape off the headlights and drive them. And, they're, 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 and, and they were strictly stock. You couldn't do anything with them. And then NASCAR promoted that more and more, and that became the number one division. Interesting, because I thought they only did that in road racing. They actually did that in the, in the uh, infancy oh, yeah. of uh, yeah. stock car racing? Yeah, really? yeah. Roll down the windows and... And tape over the headlights and no kidding. Go, go race and, and and go from town to town. And every time, say if you had a uh, a Hudson, you went to the next town you're racing. You went to the Hudson dealer and got them to put your name, you, uh, put their name on the side of the car. They were your sponsor. I'll be darned. Now you know we were talking earlier about the closed cars. Okay, those are mm -hmm. those are basically considered late models back in the day, right? The uh, the strictly stocks. Yes, they're late. Like, they were, they became late models. They okay, became, is there a vintage class for those as well? The, yeah, there is. There's a. Uh, in fact, uh, they run. We ran a deal with the, the Jack Arnold car, and Cush Rivet has his original 57 Chevy. They ran in Tornado class, his late model. He also has a makeup, a mock-up car as a convertible, and a few run that. And we run that sometimes, but there's not enough really around and not enough organized to keep it going. They run a lot with the um, Daytona Club. Mm -hmm. the, guy, the guys that used to be at Zephyr Hills, they're okay. out now because the problem is in the vintage stuff, especially with insurance, in the cars, a lot of them, like the ones we got, original cars. Mm -hmm. They're older. Right. What we put on is exhibition racing. Right. It's not the real thing. I said, mm -hmm. if you want to go see the trophies, come on. I got them at the house. And, okay. and a lot of these guys, we call them the Walter Mittings. They were the guys now, they, 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 didn't, they wanted to race, but they didn't want to take the gamble. They wanted to be successful businessmen and stuff like that. Now they got money, they buy these cars and go out there, and they think they're racing, mm -hmm. and they ain't. Well, we have the same thing in road racing too, in vintage road racing. Oh, yeah, you yeah, get the the vintage, guys, uh, yeah. yeah, you get the guys with cubic dollars to get out there, and then it's to the point now, uh, there's there's two known organizations. One's SVRA and the other one's uh, right. HSR. And SVRA is supposed to be a legitimate car prior to 1972 that had real history, not something right. that was homogenated. Homo we have a lot of mock-ups. Okay. And now HSR does that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like yeah, anything goes. And the problem is is that, you know, cubic dollars and then some guys can drive, some guys hire professional racing car right, drivers right. so that takes the fun out of it just like you said it's an exhibition run it's just for those guys that have that have those right. old cars that keep them out there so they can stretch their legs and go out and race and just kind of in their mind build an imaginary picture of you know vintage racing or racing back in the day but but preserve the car you know the integrity right. well, of the car well, at least see the thing is like, we got first of all the cars got right there that was bill Ron everybody said man it looks like ronion's old car it was ronion's old car it's mm -hmm. restored just like you take that's the, the one in the picture car, right there the that, yellow uh, nine mm -hmm. okay um and the thing about running the vintage is at one point we were going to East Bay, and when they were running the 360 sprints once a month, which was cool, when I was racing, unless you were working on the car, 
very good friend or a peer, fellow racer and stuff like that, you didn't want to be around me. Mm-hmm. I had an attitude. Because you were real serious. I I would walk by, somebody say, hey, Randy, I'd be walking through them in the pits. I wouldn't even hear them until I was, you know, 30 foot down the road, and all of a sudden I'd turn around and wave at them and yeah, stuff. I was, I was in a focused. zone. You I was focused. in a zone. I was focused mm-hmm. until they, as soon as they dropped the checkered flag and then open up the cooler, let's have a good time and stuff like that. Gotcha. Okay, with the vintage stuff, what I found about that, even I, I had a four-cylinder bomber when I uh, was put together out of the uh, salvage yard and stuff, and we were letting different people drive it, and one guy that owned the place, we let uh, his kid end up driving the car. Every now and then I'd drive the car. I wasn't even supposed to be in there because I was considered what they call a pro driver or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'd sneak in and stuff. And I would still get to a certain extent. And a, a guy, a friend of mine, won the championship, walked by and said, you're in that mood now, aren't you? And get over there in that type of zone. With the vintage stuff, I don't get that way. Oh, really? It's 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 discipline. It's, it's not a real race. Right. It's relaxing. You're going to have fun. You're going to show off your cars. You're going to show off your history. Mm-hmm. And then... You go in the stands afterwards and watch the, the other race and stuff like that, and people were, you're not yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. People remember you, and they, they like what you're doing. We'll go out there, and we, we, we pick a lot of times who's going to win the uh, uh, the race. We, years ago, Al Swinney called it Hippodrome. <laughs> and, but we put on the show. We'll run side, but, and, you know, some of us can run the high side by the wall. Some can't. And, okay, if you can run the bottom, you run the bottom. We're going to go. I'll be many times go, go for the lead. Going down the back chute, and I had my arm out and waving the guy back by me. Mm-hmm. And going down, they were passing back and forth, and the people in the stands love it. Yeah, because it makes it look like it's a real race, but, right, right. but you're in total but, control. But it's it's fun, and here again, we're instead of the people going to the museum, we're taking the museum to the people. Exactly. And, he, and also, right here, they have a real good class Jamie Franklin has. We're talking about modifieds earlier. Now, is this the same Franklin? Franklin rear end. Franklin Franklin Racing. This okay. Is, uh, they sold the rights of the rear end a long time ago. It's, Frank, oh, it's Franklin Welding. But that's the same heritage. It's the same uh, uh, lineage. Franklin. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Jim Franklin started. This is his son Jamie. Uh huh. And he has what they call the old time modified. In reality, they're not modified. They're sportsmen's because they're inline six cylinders or flatheads with single carburetor. He's got the rules down where you can't build these um, mock-ups with late model equipment on them and stuff underneath there. And they put on a, a good deal. In fact, they've had some, when they go to the East Bay and put their exhibition stuff on, they run two heats in a feature. And what they'll do is almost like Sunshine used to do years ago. Sunshine used to take their top in the four-week average in points. And the bottom half would run in the first heat, of course, reversed. Whoever in the top half would run the second heat, of course, reverse them. Mm-hmm. And it would give guys a lot of times a chance to go out and win a heat race They'd never have a chance. This They'd, is in vintage now. No, that was at Sunshine State. Oh, that was a Sunshine. regular deal. Oh, okay. okay. The, Jamie Franklin's doing the same thing with the vintage now. The guys that have some of the older, full-body 40-Fords, they don't scream the motors, they're stock flatheads and all, and mm-hmm. all. They, they get to run the one heat, and the guys that run a little bit faster run the second heat. And the, the rule of thumb is if you're not that fast or if you don't want to, you get to the bottom of the racetrack, and the faster guys go to the top side. Okay, so there's, there's some gentlemen's. Yeah, uh, right, right. Sport and, and, and a little fairness. Yeah, there's and, sport right there, and okay. we know that these cars. You're not going to sit there and, and pick up the phone call, uh, phone and order another one. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, that's what it's about. And, and it's putting on, trying to put on a show, bring the museum to and the people, entertainment, entertainment, having a good time. And, and like I say, personally, I don't feel like yesterday's news when I'm out there. Then mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, hey, we got to take another break here. Um, you know what? I have a lot of restaurants to sponsor the show, so I'm trying to get all my listeners to go out to and participate in all these restaurants. Now, everybody's got to eat. You should at least treat yourself once or twice a week, you know. 
So anyway, and one of my favorite places is right here in downtown Clearwater because I love Italian. I've told you this a hundred times, rightly. At any rate, Bro's Pizzeria, which is voted, actually, who was voted, who has been voted, number one in downtown in Clearwater, uh, got great pizza. Their phone number is 727-441-6025. They have pizza pies. They have pizza by the slice, spaghetti, lasagna, subs and hoagies, beer and wine, soda and desserts. So uh, make a date and go see my friends down there, Ulti. And Fred at Bros Pizzeria in downtown Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. That's Bros Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. 441-6025. And I know we've got some guys that uh, play golf that listen to the show every once in a while. So uh, my friends up there, Pete at Magnolia Valley Golf Club in Newport Ritchie, they got two courses up there. They got an 18 hole and a 9 hole. You know, they got a great pro shop up there and they got a great sports bar. So you need to go up there and check them out. And, uh, Go hang out at their sports bar and watch some TV and uh, all the other good stuff. Have a soda and a sandwich and or beer, whatever. That's uh, Magnolia Valley Golf Club, Newport Ritchie. Call for or call for tea times if you want. Ask for Pete. Their number is seven two seven eight four seven two three four two. That's seven two seven eight four seven two three four two. What we got queued up on the? Uh, we got a turntable working this time. <laughs> Last time we had a th- turntable around here, but. Uh... It disappeared, so it disappeared. I think we're stuck with the... Was uh, somebody the on intro. hold? Was somebody trying to call in on the show? I saw no, uh, our caller is standing right here. His, oh, his hey, caller. How you doing? <laughs> when, when I got on mic. All right, let's, uh, let's play a little quick song here real quick, and then uh, we'll get right back to our special guest. Kings and queens bow and lay for you. 
Okay, we're back. In case you just tuned in, we're in the final segment of our show, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I have a special guest with me, Randy Alvarez. Let me see if I can do it right this time. Mr. Circle Track, Mr. Round Track. <laughs> no, I still got it wrong. Sprint car driver. Sprint car driver. That's, that's it. I'll get it straight one of these days. No, I'm just, having fun. Just a racer. Just, <laughs> just a that. racer. Okay, cool. Hey, you got a couple names you want to mention over there? Some guys that are into the vintage thing? You want to give some names yeah, up for our I've listeners? Got, uh, if somebody is interested in getting into the vintage right now, and I talked to them, and they said no problem whatsoever. And we're talking about the stock car with the uh, the coupes, the 48 and older, and all. Jamie Franklin, you know, like I say, you know, the, the name's a legend right there, Franklin mm-hmm. Racing Equipment. It's Franklin Weldon's actually the phone number. And if you got a pencil right there, jot this down, area code 813-634-9556. And the thing about people, when you, the number they get, not only do they maybe help you locate a car, if you got one, they, they do work or they, they do um, fabrication or they and know pe- where parts are. And mm-hmm. everybody, it's like a big swap meet with everybody. And it's, it's, it's a close-knit family. Cool. Also, with the sprint cars over there, um, the Italian stallion himself, Vince Capelli. Mm-hmm. And he's over there in Sarasota. It's 941-315-0120. And, by the way, I did call both these guys last night, and I got the permission to put their phone numbers out. Okay, and they said cool. anything to help promote this up, they can do. Or you can call me at my house in Tampa. It's uh, area code 813 813- Nine three three four one six six, and um, you'll be glad to give them any kind of information they anything want. Anything, right? or try to hook them up, you know, with the cars or, or the people, or what the news is and what's happening and stuff like that. No, because I'm really enjoying myself right now. I got, you know, I might be uh, John Lindsay. The guy's got the car. We're talking. I talked my good friend Robert Smith, his nephew's car is for sale. We might. We're talking about maybe buying the car and running it as a non-wing pavement car because it's more affordable right now than any of the other mm-hmm. sprint cars. Mm-hmm. I never retired. You never I'm retired? On I'm, I'm on hold. You know, I've never retired. I feel I can still do it. And every time I have gotten in a car within the last 10 years and stuff, I was still fast and stuff. But I'm enjoying the vintage and all. And then I got to worry about my grandson, Kevin Carter. Uh, he just turned five, and he loves racing. Good. In fact, when he saw me the last time we run the vintage, he said, People, you're not a loser after all when I took the lead. <laughs> but I either got to get him in a quarter midgets or go-karts coming up soon. Oh, yeah, definitely go-karts. That's a good well, place to the start. Well, the quarter midgets I like because they're, they're a junior-sized sprint car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the go-karts, they run them a lot more, and it's probably uh, – Is Dirt Devils? Is Dirt, Dirt Devils, Devils yeah. is still there. That, right. Uh, uh, East Bay runs. Mm-hmm. And there's more go-karts out there. There's more chance to buy used equipment, especially starting a kid out. You don't have to have them the most brand-new stuff. No, and that's you an affordable the, way to get them in. You put it. them in the rookie class and stuff like that. Now, I right. like the deal about the quarter midgets. They have the armor strengths like we do with the sprint cars. they got mm-hmm. roll cages. they got suspension. And they got the sprint car-type body and all. And they run over there in uh, a bomb over there at uh, uh, Jared Garcia's place. But Oh, boy. And also, I want to thank for letting me off a little bit early. Come over here from Clearwater, where I'm working right now. Um, Work for a man that was a hell of a racer in his own right anyway, Dennis Langston, Langston's used auto parts. Okay, well, Randy, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Hey, I had a ball. Out of time here Anytime. Just All right. Hey, don't forget, Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo. All right, great ribs, 727-501-9090. Okay, go see my buddies Corey, Kurt, and Jed over there. And uh, that's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. And, Lee, thanks for hanging in there with us and doing your doing your best because you're the main man here. And everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Randy, you got to be sure and come back. Thank you very and, much. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's a great show. And uh, all you listeners, take care out there and tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars next year, same next year, next week. Same time, same station, AM 1340, Tantalk Radio.